I want to just share, I'm going to just take a couple of minutes and just share with you uh, from the Word of God. Uh, we've been talking, uh, actually using John's Gospel about, you know, the different names that Jesus called himself. One of them was the Good Shepherd. We talked about that last week. We talked about the bread of, uh, the bread of heaven, the bread of life, the living water. Uh, we talked about the Great Physician. And today, just kind of on the heels of uh, what we've just witnessed in this drama, I want to talk to you just, uh, just, uh, just briefly, just three points about uh, Jesus, uh, the Lamb of God. And um, in Numbers chapter 28, it says this, verses 3 through 5, it says, This is the offering made by fire which you shall offer to the Lord, two male lambs in their first year without blemish. Notice this, without blemish, day by day as a regular burnt offering. The one lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer in the evening. And so those offerings were for if you, you know, committed sins during the day, you would have like an evening sacrifice. And if you committed sins uh, in the night, which in your past life many of you did, um, you know, you'd have to offer another one in the evening, and then evening and morning, day by day. And over a period of time, I mean, this is, you know, hundreds of years, this is thousands and thousands of lambs that are being offered to a day. And, um, you know, I don't know, I, I can kind of remember growing up, uh, you know, having just a little bit of experience in the Catholic Church and just concerned that, you know, maybe I went through uh, the day without, you know, confessing my sin. I'm just afraid. How many of you have ever been afraid that you might die without confessing your sins? Any of you, or is it just me? So some of you. And so, you know, we were worried about it. And, uh, you know, sometimes I know that some of you, anybody ever have a list? You kind of go through the day and just write down your sins so you could confess them? You know, but man, I tell you what, that was a bad thing to have around because, you know, that's evidence right there. Somebody found that. It's like, dude, you're in trouble. And so, uh, you know, we would uh, we'd try to think of these things just to make sure that we were able to confess all of our sins. And then, you know, there, there was kind of that catch-all phrase, Lord, forgive me my sins that I remember and forgive me my sins that I can't remember. And then, you know, that was kind of, that kind of made it easy so you didn't have to have the list then. And then there was that, how many of you remember that uh, the phrase that was, Lord, forgive us our sins of omission and forgive us our sins of commission. And it was usually long on the O. Lord, remember, forgive us our sins of omission. And usually by some elderly guy in the church uh, came up with that. So uh, anyway, it was just like kind of that, that catch-all thing. You know, we were concerned about, you know, confessing our sins and making sure you know, that we confessed all of our sins, like it was dependent on us. You want to make sure that all of our bases had been covered. But I want to just tell you that what happened on Calvary's cross, that you don't have to worry about covering the bases. God covered all the bases for you when he offered his son Jesus. Amen? All right. So I want to go back. We've, it seems like the scripture keeps coming up out of Genesis chapter 22. But just looking at it at a, as a, uh, at a different angle today, uh, this is the story, you know, about Abraham offering his son Isaac. And I, I want us to read it this morning uh, just thinking about, you know, almost everything that's done in the Old Testament is like a picture. It's like a type or a shadow of what was to come. 
And uh, I think you'll get that as we look at the story this morning. Abraham took the wood. God has told Abraham. Abraham, like, you know, if you don't know this story, Abraham was one of the richest men of his time. He had everything that you could possibly want. The one thing that he didn't have that he wanted was a son. And uh, he was, you know, getting old. By the time he was 75 years old, God made him a promise and said that you will have a son. And so he waited and waited and waited and waited and, you know, finally he gave up. And, uh, you know, Sarah, his wife, said, go to my concubine. We can have a son through her. He did that. And then when that was done, God said, no, that's not what I meant. When I said that you would have a son, I meant that you and your wife, Sarah, would have a son. So when Abraham was 100 years old and his wife was 90 years old, uh, they became pregnant and had a son. And they called him Isaac. And so the greatest thing that he had, the, the most valuable thing that he had that he loved when Isaac was probably a teenager, God said, take your son Isaac, the son that you love, and go up to the mountain, Mount Moriah, and offer your son. And so we pick up the story here. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering. He placed, his, uh, placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, listen to this, God himself will provide the lamb, will provide the lamb. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on uh, the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns, and he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. Now, I want you to just think about that because, uh, you know, just as I mentioned earlier, no matter where you are today in life, no matter what you're going through today, you know, those words should ring true in your heart that God will provide for you. Uh, you know, if you've got a, 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 an emotional problem, if you've got a spiritual problem in your life today that you're facing, if you've got a financial problem in your life that you're facing today, I want you to know the Bible says that God will provide. And, uh, and I want you just to kind of think about this story because, you know, Abraham said the Lord will provide a lamb. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but God didn't provide a lamb that day. He didn't provide a lamb. He didn't provide a lamb for Isaac. He provided a ram, okay, an older sheep uh, caught with, uh, in, the, in the thicket by his horns. And, and Abraham was able to use that. But, uh, but, but think about this. You know, Galatians 3 refers to Abraham as being our spiritual father. So on that day that uh, Abraham walked up that mountain, he took the knife and God stopped him. But God did not provide a lamb that day. It was not until some 2,000 years later that God provided 
the, the lamb. God provided the lamb some 2,000 years later. And when, when Jesus, God's son, our heavenly father, walked up that same mountain. This is amazing to me. It's the same mountain that Abraham was offering Isaac on. 2,000 years later, Jesus walks up that, that mountain with his heavenly father walking with him. And when the hammer was raised and the nail was laid upon his hand, God did not stop it. And when the spear was drawn, God did not stop it. He allowed it to go forth so that his son would be the provision, the sacrifice for our sins today. A beautiful picture of Abraham, what God was going to do some 2,000 years later. And then we see, in moving forward to John's gospel, um, and John the Baptist is saying to a group of people, he says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one that you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And this all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. And the next day, John saw Jesus coming. Look at this. Listen to this. Listen. John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. So number one, the first thing that we need to remember this morning is that God will provide the land. There's nothing that you can do, nothing that you and I can do, nothing that we can do to add to that. And I know many times we try to. We try to help God out just like Abraham tried to help God out. And God's saying that this is my offering. It's perfect and it's complete. And there's nothing that we can do to add to it. Um, the second thing that I want us to notice is that the lamb was pure. Exodus chapter 12, verse 5 says, The animal that you choose, this is the institution of the Passover. The animal that you choose must be uh, year-old males, notice this, without defect, um, that you may take them from among the sheep and the goat. And what that word means, without defect, it means pure and perfect and blameless and sincere and entire and whole and complete. Uh, that's what the word means. That's how it translates, that you're supposed to offer something without defect. Now, we know that as we read through the Bible, that men and women's hearts turn. And by the time that we get to the book of Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, that many of the people were coming and bringing offerings of sacrifices that were blind or crippled or lame. And uh, Malachi the prophet just gets on them and he says, you wouldn't even offer that to the governor. You wouldn't offer it to your friends and you're trying to bring that to God. God wants our very best. He wants the very best of our offering. First Peter uh, comments on this even more. Chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of the life handed down to you from your forefathers. Listen to this, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. It's the same meaning. It means that perfect, flawless, blameless, without defect, lamb of God. Now, there's a scripture that we use that comes from uh, Ephesians chapter 5, and I believe it's been misused by the church many times because listen to what it says. Husbands, love your wives. That's not the part I'm talking about. 
That's true. That's true. That's true right there. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her by the washing of the water of the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, listen, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now, I know that many times we feel like that's on us. It's on us to be without spot or blemish. You know, we talk about working it up and we're going to get ourselves so that we don't have spot or blemish in our life. But I want to tell you that I don't care how hard we work, we are going to have spot and blemish, and we're never going to be perfect like Christ was perfect. You know, the reason that we're righteous is because he was righteous. The Bible says that he that knew no sin, speaking about Jesus, was made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God through him. It's not what we do, but it's what he's already done. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying, and I, I certainly believe that we should live righteously. You know, we should strive to live righteously, but living righteously does not make us righteous. Only Jesus can make us righteous. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4, what does the scripture say? Abraham, now listen to this, going back to that, that whole story about Abraham, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. That's all he did. He simply believed God, and because of believing in God, because putting his faith in God, uh, it was counted to him for righteousness. And then it goes on to say in verse 4 of that same chapter, now to him who works, if you're trying to work for your salvation, if you're thinking that you can help God out, you can't, because it goes on to say that, that wages are not counted as grace, but as a debt. If you're working for it, this is what God owes you. But if you can't work for it, if you, could have never, if you could never achieve salvation on your own and God gives that to you, that's called grace. It's called the, the favor of God. And we see this all through Scripture that Adam and Eve, like in the garden, they came out. They're trying to work for it. They're trying to cover themselves up. Look, God, see what we've done. God's saying, no, that's, you know, I appreciate your attempts, but that's not going to work. This is what you need to do. And he showed them. And then we see this word, you know, of grace. First time it's used is uh, in Genesis chapter, uh, I think it's in chapter 7 or 8. It talks about Noah, and it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Because he found grace in the eyes of God, uh, God showed him a way to, es to escape the coming storm or judgment. And so God has shown us a way. He's provided us a, us a way through uh, he's provided a, a way for us through the lamb that was pure. And we also see the lamb, the third point I want to make this morning, and final point is that the lamb was perfect. In Leviticus chapter 22, it says that whosoever offers to sacrifice a peace offering to the Lord to fulfill his vow or a free will offering from the cattle or the sheep, it, talking about the, whatever you're getting ready to offer, must be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no defect in it. It's the same word. No blemish, no fault. It's got to be complete. Now, I want you to think about this, guys, for a moment. The Passover um, uh, ceremony was instituted in Exodus chapter 12. It's the first time we see the children of Israel. They're in bondage, and Moses comes in. He does all these incredible miracles, and finally the, miracle, the final miracle was the death of the firstborn son. And so Moses goes and tells the children of Israel, this is what's going to happen. God's going to send an angel, a death angel. It's going to come through this community. And every house that does not have the blood on it 
uh, the firstborn son will die. But if there is blood on the lintel, on the side post, the death angel will pass over. That's where that word comes from. The death angel would pass over. You would escape the judgment of God, and uh, you would be delivered. Now, I want you to think about it. Seriously, we know that there were 600,000 men, uh, and they counted. The, this is the way that they did a census in those days. If They counted the men over 20 years old. They believe, I mean, historians, theologians believe that when Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, there, there was as many as 2 million people, men, women, and children that came out. So I want you to think about it. Do you think there was anybody in any home that thought, is this really going to work? Putting blood on a doorpost? I mean, we just painted the door, didn't we? And you want to put blood on the doorpost? I mean, what is this? What, you know, is this real? But out of obedience, out of obedience, they did it. And they believed Moses, and they believed God, and they did it, and they were delivered. You know, every year, men and women would take their lamb, and they would go up to Jerusalem. I want you to think about this for a moment because I think it really, it applies to us today. They're going up to Jerusalem. They're walking up to Jerusalem. They're taking their lamb with them. You know, did anybody in that group think about it? Did anybody think, man, I, I hope the priest doesn't ask me how many times I went to temple this year because I was busy and I missed a lot of temple. I, I hope the priest doesn't ask me how much I gave this year because, I mean, it was tough. Things were tight financially, and I didn't always bring my tithe in. I, I hope the priest doesn't ask me how much of the word I read this year because, you know what, I didn't read as much as I, I should have. You know what, those are not the thoughts in their lives. Every step of the way, when they're going up to Jerusalem, they know that they have to present a lamb that's going to be inspected and the priest is either going to say, this lamb is without fault, it is perfect, it's without spot, it's without blemish, or he might say, you know what? Your lamb didn't pass. And that was the number one thought in their minds. Is my lamb going to pass the test? And I want to tell you today that 2,000 years ago, my lamb went up and stood before the ruler of the world, and he says, I find no fault in him. He is perfect. He is innocent. He is innocent. We see that in Matthew chapter 27. Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, and his wife sent to him. He said, don't have anything to do with this innocent man. I have suffered a great deal today because of a dream of him. And even Judas, the one that betrayed him, Judas goes back to those that gave him the silver and he says that uh, uh, he was seized with remorse and he returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders and said, I have sinned for I have betrayed innocent blood. So we have the testimony of Pilate. We have the testimony of Pilate's wife. And even Herod, we see in uh, Luke chapter uh, 23 it says you have brought this man to me as one that misleads the people and indeed I have examined him in your presence and I find no fault in this man concerning those things which you accuse him and neither did Herod before two kings 
before Pilate's wife, before Judas, and then finally we have the testimony of the Father when he speaks from heaven and he says, this is my son whom I love and I am well pleased. I am well pleased. So as we think about our salvation today, see, it doesn't really depend on you. It depends on the lamb. And the lamb has been inspected and it has been testified and that testimony is true. He is without spot and he is without fault and he is without blemish. And God gave him to you. I'm going to just ask you this morning, if you just stand with me for just a moment. Maybe you've never done this and maybe you have. Maybe you want to recommit your life to the Lord today, but maybe you've never come to the place where you've accepted Kind of like the, the little video illustration. You know, the, the box was empty. That's God's gift to you. The tomb is, it was empty. The tomb is empty. And I want to just ask you this morning, have you received Jesus, God's gift to you for the atonement, for the forgiveness of your sins? See, you don't have to strive anymore. You don't have to work anymore. You don't have to do things to please God. There was a group of men that came to, the, to Jesus at one time and they wanted to know what we could do to do the works of God. What they were really saying is how can we please God? We want to work so that we can please God. And Jesus said to them, and I would say to you today, believe on him whom God has sent, and that would be Jesus Christ. I would ask you today, do you believe in your heart? The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. That is the equivalent of taking the blood of the lamb and putting it on your, the header and on the side post that death would pass over you. If we believe, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. If you want, if you've never said that, if you've never confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord, with just with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just, I want to ask you this morning, would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You want him to be the atonement for your sins. I want you to just raise your hand just out throughout the auditorium. If you want to receive him as your Lord and Savior today. Okay, thank you. You can put your hands down. Just, I want you to just pray with me, those of you that have raised your hand. Just say, Lord, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, I come to the place today where I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior and acknowledge, Father, that his blood was the atonement, the price paid for my sins. Forgive me my sins and wash me in the blood of the Lamb today. Father, for every other need that's in this place, in this auditorium today, God, you know the, the needs of, of your people. We declare today, Father, that you are Jehovah Jireh. You will provide. You are the God that provides. You are the God that provides. Jesus said this. He said, look at the flowers of the field. Look at the birds of the air, air that they don't toil. They don't strive. They don't worry. But you provide for them. And your word goes on to say that if you provide for the birds of the air or the flowers of the field, how much more will you provide for us, the ones that you truly, truly love? We thank you for this.